0: Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the vSporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's maze & Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Beat writer Orion Sang joins us this week to discuss the huge win on Saturday over Sparty and much more. First, a few of my thoughts to get us started. When Isaiah Livers suffered his groin injury in December, We all figured it would take time to get him back. You just never know with those muscle strain injuries. I thought we would be just fine if he was out for a few games. Well, he was out for more than a few games, and that's when we hit our rough patch. I've always liked Isaiah. He has an inside-outside game, handles the ball well, hits his free throws, and he plays solid D. Not a great defensive player, but solid. The other thing he does exceptionally well is lead. Not that Xavier Simpson isn't a leader, but Isaiah is different. The team seems to follow his lead, he's much more emotional. We missed that for eight games when he was out. When he came back for the Illini game, you could tell immediately he felt better and then he tweaked the injury. I really wasn't expecting him to play Saturday, but Juwan said he was a game-time decision and out he trotted to start the game. What was apparent early against Sparty is how much better we are with him on the floor even if Tom Izzo doesn't want to admit it. Hopefully the injury is healed, he doesn't tweak it again, and we have him the rest of the way because he is the difference maker for us and we missed that for eight games. My guest today says we are in good shape when it comes to being in the mix for a return to the big dance. Joining us next is beat writer Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press, here on The Michigan Man, in partnership with our friends at SB Nation's Maze & Brew. So stay with us. Back with us on our game day segment this week to talk about a great weekend for Michigan basketball is beat writer Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press once again. Great to have you with us, Orion. Good to be back. Well, Saturday's game against Michigan State wasn't a must-win, as we all know, but it was huge nonetheless, wasn't it?
1: It felt as close to a must-win as, as you can get. Obviously, when there's so many games left, you never really want to say, well, you have to win this game or you need to win this game. But when you look at where Michigan was entering Saturday, it, it, it really kind of did feel that way. Obviously, they were 13-9, and 4-7 four, uh, four in the Big Ten. If they had lost, it would have been 4-8. And uh, they, they have uh, four of their last six Big Ten games uh, are going to take place on the road. They have eight total Big Ten games left. Um, so so the, the ending schedule is pretty difficult. You're looking at it, and it would have been hard to find a way to get to 9-11, to 10-10 in conference play had they lost Saturday. Slightly more doable now. And then obviously, you know, Michigan State, as it stands, it's the second-best win on Michigan's resume. So that's a pretty big deal. Michigan has six quad one wins. I believe that is... Sixth best Mm -hmm. they're they're one of 10 teams right now with with six or more quad one wins so so they're up there there's there's not that many teams that have more quad one wins than michigan does and they added another on saturday
0: well and one player can make a difference on a team we have talked about that for the last two months uh, missing isaiah livers but he he did put a real jump into the step of that michigan team saturday didn't he
1: yeah agreed i i guess when you when you're talking about liver's game it's honestly that he's a top shooter right he's more of a, a master at a bunch of different little things, you know. Like he, he just knows where to be on offense and defense. Um, he's experienced. Uh, he's he's versatile. He's he's not like a he's not the type of defender that Charles Matthews was, but he's a pretty good team defender, and that he knows like where to be at all times. You, you saw him have that uh, chase down block on Aaron Henry. So his athleticism makes an impact on both ends. And obviously, he spaces the floor. You know, he's he's a fifty percent three point shooter, so that's a huge deal. And, and the other big thing about it is that Brandon Johnson's been playing really well recently. But now you're, you're bringing him off the bench, and your rotation it becomes tighter because now you have a eight-man rotation. You have Livers starting, and your three uh, bench players are John, David Julius, and Austin Davis. So it, it really, Livers coming back affects everything about this team, and, and you saw that Saturday.
0: No, absolutely. And I, I know we, we needed his offense back, his defense helps. But, you know, when you watch the flow of the game, he's also a leader on the floor he's giving directions he's talking all the time and you know that communication thing is uh, something that juwan howard's been talking about the last couple of weeks you might not notice that as much but that is big too isn't it
1: yeah for sure um livers when his time off um he he spoke about how he was trying to be like another coach and almost like a player coach um he'd watch film with the coaches um he, he even uh would give advice to his teammates from the bench so i think you're starting to see some of that Take place even more on the court. You know, before he went out, obviously he was one of the team's most experienced players, and he was, you know, already a veteran and and, you know helping out his teammates. But now, even more so, he's doing that just because he had a new perspective during his time out with the injury.
0: Another interesting thing was before the game, Jawan was mentioning that Isaiah's uh, or his minutes would be limited when he came back, but he played 18 minutes in the first half and spent a lot of time out there in the second half. He doesn't look right now like there are any lingering effects to that to that injury, does it?
1: Yeah, I I didn't think so. Um, I I didn't think he would have a, a limit, to be honest, either. Because I guess when you look back at the Illinois game, you know that was his first game back from a pretty serious injury, and he was on track to play like thirty-five plus minutes that game before he went out. So I guess when they do bring him back, it's, it's with. Uh, it's with that full go label. Like, you know, he's he's close mm-hmm. to hundred percent and they're not they're not gonna have him on a restriction. So I, I think we can say that safely based on what we've seen is return back both times from injury.
0: Well, Saturday, uh, Cassius Winston, who has absolutely killed Michigan the last three years, you sort of wait for those final three minutes uh, in a game to see him take over. But Saturday, Jawan and his staff, I think mainly Saadi Washington is what Jawan said, played him differently, a different strategy. And those adjustments seemed to really, uh, you know, work and throw him off a bit, didn't they?
1: They did, yeah, yeah. So in the first game, Michigan mostly played drop coverage, which has been, you know, their, their primary ball screen coverage. You know, you have the guy... On-ball defender going over screen, um, you have a big dropping back into paint to defend against the drive, and it, it, it works. You know, it, it, it encourages the opposing ball handler, the, the guard, to take a long two right mm-hmm. inside the three-point line or a runner slash floater, something difficult with the, with the big contesting. So, so that that usually generates inefficient shots, and it's one of the reasons why Michigan is one of the top three or five teams in, in limiting three-point attempts. Limiting three-point volume, which is which is a big deal because I mean the lo- the less three-pointers your opponent takes, the less they're going to make naturally. So, but but Saturday, obviously, Michigan changed up a lot. You know, they they went back to the hedge, um, and people are going to say that's familiar because Michigan hedged. Uh, the, the previous two years um, under Luke Joklich and John Beanline So so Michigan's players know how to do it, obviously, and, and they put that plan into full effect Saturday against Cassius. I think it worked really well. You know, you had some Michigan State fans saying, like, oh, he still got 20 points. Yeah, but it took him 18 shots to get it. He was 5 of 18. He scored 5 of his points, which is a quarter of his total points, in garbage time when, when they were fouling and extending the game, even though it was beyond reach. I, I think that was a, a good strategy. Uh, and credit goes to Saudi Washington, obviously, for, for you know, he, he had scouts. Which is what Juan said. He had a scout uh this game where, where he looked at Michigan State and, and sort of helped put together the game plan. So he gets credit, and, and obviously Michigan's players get credit for uh, executing too. You know, it, it wasn't just the two guys involved in the pick and roll. It wasn't just Eli Brooks who was guarding Cassius, and it wasn't just Tom, John Teskey. You know, it was the rest of the team because when you hedge, the other team has a four on three for for a brief period of time before the big can get back to his man. So you've got to play good defense. You've got to rotate. Uh, you got to make sure you're. you're uh, guarding down low and guarding the shooters um, and, and it was just a good overall team performance for machines so it, I mean it, it's what you want you know when, when mm-hmm. you're looking at a game you, you're looking at a guy like Cassius trying to figure out a way to stop him when very few teams have you develop a game plan that you think will give you the best shot you put it in during practice you have your players work on it and then to see it executed during the game I'm guessing that gave Michigan's coaches some warm feelings inside.
0: Well, it can be dangerous to say one game tips the scales during a season for a team or gets them over the hump, so to speak. But, you know, you beat your rival. You beat Michigan State at home late in the year. The psychological benefits of that can be immense, can't they?
1: Yeah, I think Michigan just needed to win one at home, honestly. They, yeah. they had lost their three previous home games. They lost Penn State. They were, I mean, they were just outplayed that entire game. at Penn State, like it, it wasn't, it didn't even feel that close. It didn't feel like Michigan was was at any point was ever going to really win that game. But then Illinois and you know, Ohio State, obviously, were were super tight, super closely contested, went down to the wire, and Michigan just couldn't gut out either win, despite being in the lead late. You know, Michigan had to lead late in both of those games. Obviously, had a great chance to win them, but just didn't pull out. So you you look at those three games, and you're thinking, well, you know, Michigan State's coming to town. Lose this one you know that's, that's four straight home losses that that'd be pretty devastating given how important it is to protect your home court in Big 10 play this year so yeah they got the job done.
0: Well, Ryan, uh, Isaiah's back and he's healthy, so we all agree. And we saw it on Saturday. Makes a big difference. But it's going to take more than that down the stretch to peak. Who else and, and what else needs to happen if this Michigan team is going to step up and become dangerous as we head into March?
1: I wrote about it heading into the Michigan State game. And I've written about it before. But really, it's a three-point shooting, you know. Right now, they're uh, shooting 30.4% in conference play, which is 11th in, in big Ten play and 11th is right around where they sit in in the conference standings. So, I mean, you you just think that maybe, like, if, if they improve the shooting a little bit, you know, things might go their way. Like, if they shot the ball better against uh, Ohio State, Illinois, some of those really close games, they might have to cut it out a win. So that's the thing I'd look to, you know. Not, now they have the back in the lineup. Maybe that will help. Because right now, they're, they're shooting 51.4% on twos. So that's number one in the Big Ten. They're, I mean, they're doing well on, in other facets of offense besides shooting. But but this is a team, people know right now, this is a team that relies heavily on jump shots. You know, the, the offense is predicated on finding open guys, and they, and they have to shoot. You know, everyone has green light. Uh, says Jawan. So if they can increase the three-point shooting, then then I think you would see pretty tangible benefits sort to of offense and the and, uh, team as a whole.
0: With us on our game day segment this week is beat writer Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press. Orion, Wednesday up to Evanston to play a Northwestern team that is not very good to say the least, but it is on the road. And uh, I don't know if it's a must win, but we really do need a W there, don't we?
1: Yeah, it's one of two games maybe even three i would argue oh,
0: left on the schedule that michigan
1: can't really afford to lose and there's not that much to be gained from winning these games either but you know you just can't really lose them so the, the two i would say are northwestern this week and then they host nebraska later in the season and then the third i would argue is indiana at home this sunday these are all just games that you really you really have to win at this point in the season um your favored. You have home court advantage in two of the games, and and there's going to be a lot of Michigan fans at a Northwestern game too Wednesday. So, but yeah, like Northwestern, um, they're not that great. They haven't had a great season, but like all Big Ten teams, you know, they can it can scare you. Um, They were leading Rutgers big. Yesterday at Rutgers. They blew that. They also had a huge lead against Maryland at home. They blew that too. So they're, they're capable of playing good basketball for stretches. If you're in Michigan, the last thing you want to do is get out to like a double digit deficit on the road. So uh, I'm curious to see when this game starts.
0: To me, it's it's a big win or a big game. We've got to get the W there because you come back this weekend, you have Indiana making a visit to Chrysler, and they are no slouch, are they?
1: They're not. Their season, I think, is going the wrong direction. You know, they, they had a really easy schedule. Um, the, f- the first half of conference play and they kind of struggled basically no matter who they were playing they, they they won more than their fair share of games obviously during that stretch but it, it didn't look good and now that their schedule is toughening up they're really struggling they, they they lost badly at home you know to purdue and, and that was you know the day that they brought back bobby Knight, you know the program legend yeah. so the atmosphere was it was insane you know it was charged up and they just they lose, they're trailing like double digits against Purdue at home. And Purdue isn't that great this season. So I, I just think Indiana, I, don't, I didn't think they were that good when the record was, you know, gaudy and, and, and nice and shiny. And I think some of that shine is starting to wear off now. So for Michigan, they'll be favored in both of these games. If it wins both, you know, conference records back to 500. You know, and, and it basically comes down to holding certain, you know. You can't lose to Northwestern. That'd be a quad three loss. And if you could lose to Indiana at home. That'd be a quad two loss. So you, you just kind of, kind of, just find a way to win these two games if you're Michigan.
0: Well, talking about that Indiana game for just a moment on Saturday. For those of us of uh, Bobby Knight's generation who saw him coach, been 20 years, which is so hard to believe. I know he left on bad terms. He was fired, and uh, he was always in the news at Indiana for. All of the years he was there, but it really was good to see him come back, be honored. He actually looked like he enjoyed it, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he has such a, a a complicated legacy. Oh yeah. Just in terms of you know how things ended, when you got a guy like that who's so closely intertwined with the, the history of your program, it feels weird when you know you you don't reconcile for such a long period of time. So for Indiana basketball, it's probably a good thing that they they were able to bring it back. Um, I, I I saw this clip where you know Dick Vitale was, was trying to give him a, a hug, and uh, Bobby sort of recoiled and you know was <laughs> being very physically aggressive with with Dick. So I was like, well, you know that that kind of seems like what I might have expected from this. Um, but it's it's a good thing for that program that they were able to. You know, smooth things over with them and bring it back. It it would have felt weird if they hadn't been able to.
0: No, absolutely, it was time. So that was uh, it. Was good to see he is what he is. Though at this point, not going to uh, to change much. But getting back yeah. to uh, to Michigan hoops, uh, the Xavier Simpson suspension story has been you know front and center the last week and week and a half. I suppose. In your opinion, could the university have handled this a little bit better?
1: I, I go back and forth. You, you know, they, they could have maybe said. When it happened, they could have said, oh, yeah, he was suspended for breaking curfew. But, but then again, like, from their point of view, they don't think that what he did was a big deal. You know, they just think that he was driving a friend's car. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk about the optics of, of driving, you know, a car licensed to the wife of the athletic director. But from Michigan's point of view, you know, it, it's just, you know, it, it's Evan Manuel's car. He drives it. Obviously, he's, he's a teenager. He's a kid, tall kid, so he's not going to be able to afford, you know, buying his own car. So it's his car and, and he let his friends drive it, you know, and, and, you know, the argument was made to me like, hey, like, you know, when when you're a kid growing up, when, when you got your first car, you likely didn't own it. Right. You know, it was given to you by your parents. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, there are times where you probably let your friends drive it, too. So so from their point of view, they don't think it's a big deal. Obviously, obviously some of the details about the case, you know, how he lied to the police. You know, that's not that's that's a no no. And, and obviously they talked to him about it and, and that's not something you want him to do. Um, but they think that the overall situation, you know, slippery road or, or whatever the report said, and borrowing his friend's car, they don't think that's a big deal.
0: No, it doesn't seem like a big deal. I mean, it happens. You want to correct the situation, and I know I've read stories that Michigan reported it or talked to the NCAA about it. Is this the kind of the thing that the NCAA is going to eventually do something about? Is it just not a story anymore?
1: I don't know what they could do about it. You know, I I I didn't think it was a violation. We'll see. I, I didn't think that it was like something that you know Michigan should be like. Oh, we're worried about, and, and I don't think they are worried about it either. So um, we'll see. Though you know things will always change. It's in some ways. Yeah. It's unpredictable.
0: Well, here we are as we uh, enter the week. Then Orion, 14 and 10 on the season. We, uh, as we've been talking about, we have to start stacking more wins. Not going to be easy. As of right now, though, Orion, when you look at the overall after this weekend's action. How many wins are you still thinking Michigan needs that, to make it into the Big Dance?
1: I was thinking about that yesterday, and that's a really hard question because mm-hmm. you never really know. I, I guess we can try to map it out. So they're 14-9 and nine right now. They have, I believe, eight regular season games left um, and then guaranteed at least one game in a Big Ten tournament. So we can look at the regular season. The difficulty about this closing stretch is that they have four more opportunities at quad one wins. It's all four are on the road. Yeah. As you know, Michigan has they're one and five in a row. They don't have a quad one victory on the road yet. It's, it's hard. But, but you look at, let's start with the, with the so-called gaming games. Obviously, they're expected to beat Northwestern. So let's say they beat Northwestern. And then Indiana at home, they, they should probably win that game too. And then Nebraska at home uh, is the penultimate game in the regular season. Those are three games you pretty much have to win. So that put them at 17 wins. And then, you know, the, the other five games at Rutgers, at Purdue, Wisconsin at home, at Ohio State and at Maryland, if you can win two of those five games, I think you're in pretty good shape. That would put you at 19, 19 at the end of the regular season. And I think they'd be 19 and 12 heading into the Big Ten tournament. I think that'd be more than enough. You'd be sitting on seven quad one wins at that point, which is a, a lot you know, for a team that's 19 and 12. Pretty good straight schedule. And, and then, obviously, they'd be, I think, 10 and 10, yeah, 10 in yeah. conference play. I think that'd be enough to get it done. You could even argue that 18-13 would be enough to get it done in a regular season. So that 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 would entail finishing four and four. I think that personally, I think that would probably be enough. But if you want to be safe, 19-12 is probably the way to finish. And and really, I mean, like I mean, you see how crazy the Big Ten is. Things could go any number of ways. Like I don't see Purdue, Rutgers, and, and Ohio State as infallible at home. I just don't. You know, I think you can beat those teams. It's going to be really, really hard, obviously, especially given how Michigan played on the road. But, you know, that now they have Isaiah Livers back, maybe they hit a few more threes away from Crystal Center than they have been. So we'll see. You know, th- those three games are, are chances to, to win, you know, quad one games. And then Maryland, I think, is the toughest game left on the schedule. Maryland's going to win the Big Ten, I think. And, and you know, they're going to be very hard to beat at home. But really, if you're Michigan, you, you, you kind of have this opportunity to, to play the spoiler role, you know? Like, w- the past few weeks, past couple weeks, Michigan has been at home, right? And, and you know, there's pressure on you to win at home. The players know it. They've talked about it. They've talked about how hard it is to win away from home. Now that they're back at home, they, they feel the pressure to win and hold serve. And, and now you're, you're heading on the road to play some of these teams. And, you know, I guess the pressure is maybe more on the home team in those situations, you know? If you're Michigan, you're saying, like, hey, let's let's play our game and see what happens you know I I just that's my take on you know maybe maybe they they don't approach it the same way but um if you're Michigan you're, you're just trying to sneak one of those road games left
0: well during Saturday's game the Fox crew was still saying the Big Ten could see 12 teams in the tournament that seems like a little too much for me I think 10 is you know more like it might happen but your thoughts on that 10 or 12 teams what do you think
1: well, we can rule out uh, Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. Indiana. I mean, they're they're plummeting in the net rankings. I I looked it up yesterday, and they dropped like eleven or twelve spots. Yeah. Um. And their end of season schedule is just brutal. I think they're. I don't think they're going to make it. To be honest, uh, Wisconsin. Oof. I mean, they have a lot of big wins. You know, they have six quad one wins. I think they might have seven. I'm not sure. But man, like they, their their non conference schedule was such a slog. And they have some bad losses in there. I just I just don't know if they're they're gonna do it. It wouldn't surprise me. Like they, they might. I think they're probably gonna finish above 500 in conference play, and and they'll be like 18 or 13 or 19, 12. So it wouldn't surprise me if they made it. And then the other one is, is Purdue, Purdue and Minnesota. Minnesota probably isn't gonna make it at this point, but but Purdue is is right there. Um, Purdue has, has had a crazy Big Ten season with, with a bunch of huge wins. So I mean, it'll be interesting to follow. I it all it all depends on. Really, it depends on how highly the uh, committee values the Big Ten because these teams are just beating each other up. You know, there's no, there's only one team that's really sort of rising above it all, and that's Maryland. Everyone else is just trading punches and and rolling around in the mud with each other right now. So
0: we'll, we'll see. Well, final question for you, Orion, before we let you get out of here. Juwan Howard question. And, I, you know, when we when we go back to the beginning of the season, I think all of us were wondering what kind of coach was Juwan going to be? He had great assistance around him. But we didn't know. Here we are in February. At this point, you know, is this about what you thought we'd get from Jawan Howard as a head coach? It's a great question.
1: I, I honestly didn't know what we would get from him as a head coach. But if you're just looking at it through the lines of, you know, the past eight or nine months since when he took the job in, in May, mm-hmm. I think the early returns are positive. You know, his first stamp was establishing himself as a top-notch recruiter. You know, I, I don't think could said often enough. But when, when he took this job, he's starting from behind with the 2020 class. You know, recruiting is so accelerated these days. These kids already have, you know, years-long relationships with other coaches. You know, they've been recruited for such a long time. You know, they they know other programs. They have familiarity. And then you have Juwan, who's coming from the NBA, probably midway or 75% through the recruiting cycle. And he put together a top five class. I think that's a big deal, you know, being able to show that, you know, he has the recruiting chops to to pitch, you know, top kids. He has a vision to to have a recruiting board and – establish who his top targets are and pursue them and land some of them you know and and obviously recruiting is a huge deal you know for for college basketball so that's the first positive sign i think from his tenure the other would be i think how he is coached on the court at times there are minor quibbles that people might have with his rotations but obviously he was hamstrung by isaiah liver's injury for a long period of time and then you know maybe there's some other in-game decision that people aren't fans of but for the most part, I think he's established himself as a pretty good coach. You know, it's hard to debate with their strategy on either end. You know, the offense, I think, looks pretty crisp. It's running well. It's it's working. And, and they get a lot of good shots. They get a lot of good shots after timeouts and, and crucial scenarios. You know, he dialed up that end-of-game play to Eli Brooks against Ohio State. Got him a clean look. So I think offensively, he's, he's proven he's a, he's a pretty good coach. Defensively, you know, they were getting torn up by, by opposing big men in Big Ten play. They just sort of adjusted, and now that's not happening so much anymore. And and then you look at the way they desc- defend ball screens. It's hard to argue with the methodology behind it. You, you look at the statistics, you know, they're they're one of the best teams in limiting three-point shots, and, and that's a big deal. Usually that's going to help you win some some basketball games. So, yeah, you, and, and you look at, obviously, the last thing would be, you look at the relationships that he has with his players. I think he's stepped in and established himself as a mentor to all these guys. So, It's hard to say that the early returns have been anything but positive just based on what we've seen so far. Obviously, it's early in his tenure, so we'll learn more about him as we go along. But I think the program's in a in a decent spot. As good of a spot as you can be in, you know, when your all-time winning this coach leaves in May. So that, that's my take on it.
0: With us on our uh, game day segment this week has been beat writer Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press. A lot of uh, basketball yet to be played in the Big Ten. Of course, as we've been talking about a big week for Michigan uh, this week with Northwestern on the road Wednesday and then back with Indiana on the weekend so uh Orion always a pleasure having you on the show and uh, I'm sure before it's all over we'll have you back on again yep I'll talk to you soon Mike Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on the Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio a member of the vSporto network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, women's basketball got 20-point games from the sophomore duo of Amy Dilk and Naz Hillman and never trailed in a 77-52 win over Minnesota Monday night at Williams Arena. The win marked Michigan's third straight, as the Wolverines led by as many as 25 points. Dilk had 22 points, 8 assists, and 4 rebounds, while Hillman posted 21 points, 8 boards, and 5 assists. Senior Akeenra Johnson added 12 points, 5 boards, and 3 assists, as 7 Wolverines found the scoring column. U of M will be back in action on Thursday, hosting Northwestern at 7 p.m. We are 16-7 overall, 7-5 in Big Ten play. Another strong offensive performance from hockey resulted in a 5-3 victory over Wisconsin on Saturday night at Yost. The win earned the Wolverines a sweep of the visiting Badgers. Defenseman Jack Summers had a goal and an assist, his first two-point outing of the season. Five different Wolverines scored goals in the game. Strauss Mann stopped 39 shots and ranks fifth in the nation in save percentage at .932. Michigan will head to East Lansing for a showdown against Michigan State on Friday at Mun Ice Arena. Puck drop is scheduled for 6 p.m. And the game will be broadcast live on BTN. Then on Monday, both teams are back at it in Detroit at the LCA. Puck drop is at 7 p.m., and will be broadcast on Fox Sports. We are 12-12-3 overall, 8-8-2 in Big Ten action. Number 17-ranked softball capped a perfect opening weekend with its second straight extra inning decision, using an RBI single to walk off against Fresno State one to nothing in the ninth inning on Sunday morning at USF Softball Stadium in the Wilson D. Marini Classic. Alex DiRocco and Megan Bobian combined for a two-hit shutout. Bobian won in relief with four strikeouts and just one hit and one walk allowed over three innings. 5-0 Michigan will return to the road this weekend heading to Chapel Hill, North Carolina for the annual ACC Big Ten Challenge. The Wolverines will play two games apiece against Louisville and host North Carolina. Kicking off the weekend on Friday with a 1.30 p.m. game against the Cardinals at the Tar Heels Anderson Stadium. Baseball gets things started on Friday in Scottsdale at the MLB4 Collegiate Tournament. On Friday, it's a rematch of the College World Series against number two, Vandy, followed by a nightcap with Cal Poly. On Saturday, it's number nine, Arizona State. And on Sunday, we wrap up the first weekend of play against UConn. So it is great to have softball and baseball back, and both teams should be very, very good this year. It should be a very exciting spring. That will do it for this week. Make sure you tell your family and friends about the show and join us again next week. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until we meet again, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue.